Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, howdy. How are you guys this morning? You guys are a little quiet. I just got back from Sun City and they had more energy than you guys. It's a little bit later in the day. So how are you guys this morning? Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited if you guys made it online. My name is Patrick, and I work with our youth group here at the church, and normally on Sundays, I'm teaching junior high. So I'm excited to be over here and hanging out with you guys. Um, We've been going over our sermon series called I'm Good. And if you haven't been here, we've been talking about living a meaningful life and that living a meaningful life can produce happiness. And happiness isn't something that just happens. It's a choice. And we've also talked about how to have a miserable life. And so if you haven't seen those, I recommend going to our website and checking those out. They're really, really good. But today we're definitely talking about happiness. And I want to give you guys a story of a time in my life that I was super, super happy. And this was a while back, a long time ago. I was 10 years old. I was in the fourth grade. And one thing that you need to know about this story before I tell you is I love music. I'm a big music guy. The other thing is I'm always joking around. I work with our youth group. Joking just comes natural. I think I get all those from my dad. He loves music and he loves joking around. So he's been joking around with me ever since I can remember. So in this story, I'm in the fourth grade. I'm 10 years old and I've never been to a concert before. But luck had it that my favorite band was coming to town. And I don't know if you guys remember this band, but they were my favorite and they were called DC Talk. And it was an old band even then to be a fan of. This was like their last time that you could see them on tour. And I was super, super excited to maybe try to go. First concert ever. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to go just because it was on a school night. And I don't know if you guys know, it is hard to get your parents to let you do things on school nights, especially being in the fourth grade, wanting to go to a a concert. So on my birthday, We're getting presents, we're doing cake, we're going through all the birthday activities, hanging out with family, and I'm having a great time. It's my birthday. It's hard not to be happy on your birthday. But as the day keeps getting later and later, I have not received those tickets that I thought I was gonna get. And I told people at school I was going to this concert. I thought this was a done deal. It was on my birthday. I thought I had that in the bag I was going to get to go. And it's starting to get dark outside, and I know this is in Austin. I live in Georgetown. I need to, we need to leave if we're going to make it to this concert. And my emotions get a little bit on top of me. I'm in the fourth grade. I'm 10 years old, but I start crying just because I thought I was going to go. And like I said, my dad is always playing jokes on me. So he pulls out the tickets and says, yep, we're going to the concert. He pulled out one just a little, little too far. I already started crying a little bit. But... I was super excited that we're going to the concert. My first one ever, DC Talk, Toby Mac. I was excited to be there. And it was awesome. We had VIP tickets, so we were in like, you know, one of the front rows so you could really see the band. And being a fourth grader, 10 years old, I started to get tired. We're going through this concert, and I start sitting in my chair while everyone's standing. I stop singing as much. I kind of want to start going home because it just seems like a lot. Like I said, it was a school night. What was I doing out? But while I was there... I'm sitting in my chair, I'm getting less excited, and all of a sudden, one of the lead singers threw a tennis ball, 
and it landed literally directly under my chair. So I'm the first one. I'm already sitting down. Scoop up that ball, and I am pumped. I've got that tennis ball. I still have that tennis ball. It's still one of my favorite memories of when I was a kid, and I love that story. And it's a silly story, but I like telling that story because it's a really good example of how I was letting my situations kind of control my emotions. I was letting what was happening at hand change the way that I was feeling about it. Because in the very beginning, it's my birthday. Super excited. It's a birthday. And then I don't think I'm going to get something that I want, so I'm getting kind of sad to the point where I start crying. Then I'm at the concert. I'm excited all over again, getting tired, feel like I might need to sit down, you know, oh, it's about time to go home. And I get that tennis ball, and that really gives me the excitement for the rest of the night. But my emotions were real roller coastery. It was really just being affected by what was going on. And if we're really honest with ourselves, in our lives, we can live that way, the exact same way. It might be you're at school and you're working your tail off and you're just not making the grades that you think you should. Or maybe you're at work and you've been doing a lot of overtime and you're going for a promotion and you're just not getting that promotion. Maybe you like somebody and they don't like you back, and you just have this feeling of being negative, and just nothing is working out for you in your life, and there's no reason to be happy, there's no reason to have joy. We, we've all been there, at least I have. I've been in those moments where it's just, it's hard to think about the happy things. And in those situations, it always happens that you see these people in life that are just full of joy, that are just happy. And they might even be struggling in certain areas in their life, but they still are joyful. And when you're going through these tough times, you don't know if they're just faking it until they make it, they're just acting like they're happy, or if they have a secret that we don't know about. What is the shocking truth about having happiness always? We're going to be talking about a guy, and we've been talking about him, Paul. And Paul was that guy. Paul was happy in a lot of situations where I'll tell you right now, I would not have been happy. He was you know, sick. He was beaten. He was flogged. He had a lot of crazy things happen to him, but yet he was a happy guy. I want you guys to, uh, to listen here on Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And this is Paul who, writing a letter, the same letter that we're going over. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Paul, while he was writing this letter, he was in prison, in jail. That's not a place that you're just going to be radiating joy and telling people to rejoice always. So Paul was this guy who just had this joy. So he has this secret for us. And we're, be, we're going to be reading in Philippians chapter 2 today. And it's going to be a letter that he wrote to, to the Philippi. And in this, he goes over some shocking truths, and he goes over some stuff that is definitely against the culture of the time. So Philippians 2, verse 2 through 4. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambitions. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests of each of you to the interests of others. So when Paul's saying this, he's saying value other people's interests more than yours. And to the people of Philippi, that is not the way that their culture went. So this is really changing it upside down. This is a completely different view of how to live life. If you would talk to a person who lived in, the, in Philippi and you ask them, what do I do to be successful? What they would tell you is you need to serve yourself. You need to 
be better than you were the day before. You need to have a better job. You need to try to climb the social ladder because in this civilization in Rome, they had kind of a social, not hierarchy, but a social system that they were living in, and you were, you were somewhere on this system, and it really influenced everything in this culture, and I kind of want to break that down for you guys today. So if you're looking here, the very bottom of this system, the very bottom of this class were the slaves, and the slaves really didn't have anything. They didn't have any rights, and if you were a slave, you could be hurt. You could be killed by your master, and no one cared. You had no rights, so being a slave, was that's the bottom end of this class, not a great place to be. After you have slaves, you have what's called a freedman. And these freedmen were just a little bit above slaves. They weren't slaves, they didn't have a lot, they had just a couple more rights than slaves did, but they still didn't have a lot. They were still a, a, a small group of people here. Then you had the regular citizens. So these were Roman citizens. And these Roman citizens, they did have rights. Paul was a Roman citizen. And like Roman citizens, you couldn't punish them the same way that you could punish slaves. You couldn't flog them in the city. And there's even a story about that happening to Paul, and it caused a little conflict because he was a citizen, and that shouldn't have happened to him. And there's even punishments that they save for the slaves that are awful and something that we might even know about, like crucifixion. Crucifixion was something that was just for the slaves. You, if you were a citizen, you weren't supposed to be able to be crucified. That was supposed to be one of the lowest forms. And it was even something that people didn't want to talk about. Even saying the word crucifixion was very taboo. It was just not something that came in, in, in polite conversation. So when, when Paul is telling these people to keep other people's interest above yours, it's, it's completely different. So we had freedmen, we had regular citizens. Next, we have the equestrians. And the equestrians are a part of the elite group. They're still the lower level, but they're part of this elite group. And the equestrians, they had just enough money that they could bring like horses into battle. So these were guys who did have a little bit of wealth. And so those are the equestrians. After the equestrians, we have our senators. And the senators worked in the Roman Senate. So they had jobs, they had authority, they had power, they had what was called honor. And your status and where you were was what kind of honor you had. And they fought to get more and more honor. That was the way of the life in Philippi. And then after that, you got the emperor, and that's the top dog. Emperor, that's who everybody wants to be. He got to make all the rules. He was top. And so that's kind of the, 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 the classes that we have here that you could be in in your social classes. And this was so important in Philippi, they didn't want someone just looking at you and not knowing what class you were in. So there was a dress code that they had so you can know exactly what or who you were, where you stood in this standing. And so I want to go over this dress code. So for slaves, slaves don't have anything. They didn't have rights. They didn't have a lot of possessions. So if you saw someone out there with not a lot, your first guess is slave. That person's going to be a slave. And freedmen, like I said, they're not much different. So if you were a freedman, you wanted something that looked different so people could know you were not a slave. And what they had was called a freedman's cap. They wore a cap. And that let them know, I am not a slave. So when you're out and about and you had that cap on, people would know you were not a slave. You were a freedman. And then you had the Roman citizens. Citizens. These people, they could wear togas. You guys know togas? You guys went to college, right? Togas? So they could wear those, which that's pretty cool. You know, that's a, that's a step up. That's something that you own that, you know, could look cool. And then equestrians. Equestrians had a little bit of wealth. So rings. 
gold rings, gaudy rings. They had wealth, so they liked to show it off. They wanted people to be envious of their stature. And then we had the senators. Senators could pretty much do all of the above. They could wear togas, rings, and what they would also do is they'd have purple on their toga because purple was an expensive dye and that showed elite status when you had that. So senators could even wear that. So you could recognize a senator immediately. And then emperor, top dog, he could do whatever he wants. He could wear a crown, he could wear a purple toga, he could wear rings, he had everything. So he, it, you knew who he was, there's only one of them. So you know who the emperor is. And so this is kind of the, the structure of the Roman um, culture at this time that's happening in Philippi. So very opposite of what Paul just said in that letter. And our society now doesn't really work this way, but it kind of does. We kind of still are looking for bettering yourself, getting good jobs, making more money so that you can be happy, right? Because in our society, I think a lot of the times it says more money means more happiness, and that's not true. So when I was thinking about an example of how this kind of relates in our life, I was having a tough time because there's not a lot of great examples of this kind of class system. But hey, we were talking about concerts earlier. We'll talk about them again. So I don't know if you guys have been to a concert or a, a venue of some type, but at concerts, there are different types of tickets that you can buy. And really, as soon as they go on sale, you have to jump to buy those tickets because they sell out quick, especially now. But these tickets, they're different, different kind of um, places that you can be. So what I would think is the best place to be would be the band, right? Maybe the drummer, that's the best seat in the house. So if you're the band, you're the emperor. That is where everybody wants to be. That's the rock star, okay? If you had like a backstage pass where you could be close to the band, you get to see it right up there on the stage, backstage, right? That's gonna be kind of like being a senator. And then if you were an equestrian, right below a senator, still had a little bit of wealth, that's VIP section. That's as close to the stage as you can be. And then you have general admission. You just have the regular seats, and that's going to be the citizens. Then you have the freedmen, okay? And I don't know if you guys have ever heard nosebleed seats, which those are super far away. It doesn't mean they have to be high, but it just means they're far away from the band. And then in some venues, you even have lawn seats, seats that are just on the ground. You might have to buy a chair or bring a chair with you. And so in these example that we have here, it's not great for here, but it does still work as somebody who had a backstage pass wouldn't give that up to go sit on a lawn seat. That's not normal. It costs more money. That's an elite place to be. Why would you want to be on the lawn far away from the band when you can be right there next to them? And so that was something that just doesn't happen in that example. And it was something that didn't happen in the Roman culture either. You didn't want to give up your status to be lower than somebody else. They actually even had a technical term for this, and it's called being humbled or being humbled or humbling, being humbled. And it was said that if you were able to rise your status, it was great, but it was worse to be risen and then dropped back down than it was to ever be risen. So being humbled was not great. No one volunteered for it, and it was always a tragedy when it happened. But I want us to continue reading here in Philippians 2 to see what else Paul has to say. So in verse 3, do nothing from, oh, actually, wrong one, sorry. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in the, who though was in the form of God, did not count 
equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even on the cross, even a slave's death, lowered himself and humbled himself. And guys, this is this right here is the secret, is the shocking truth on how to live a life of meaning, how to live a life that you're getting joy. And it's by elevating other people, you're elevating your own joy. By putting your interests aside and putting the interest of other people, that's what's going to give you joy, 100%. And Paul was saying this to the Philippians, and it was definitely cross-culture, and I think it's still a little cross-culture of what we're going through today. And that's the shocking, the shocking secret. Joyful people, there's a lot of research about joyful people. If you guys need to be convinced that being joyful is better, I've got some things I can convince you. Just being joyful is awesome, but there's still some things about being joyful. So if you're joyful, you're more likely to give away your money or your possessions to things in need, and that's gonna make you happy because you get to, uh, you get to build into people's lives. If you're joyful, you're more compassionate. If you're joyful, you're most likely to have more friends, and those friendships, you're gonna go deeper in those. And joy is something that is contagious. Before we were going through this series, I didn't really think about it this way, but when you're joyful, that's a gift for other people. Because when you have joy, it is easy for someone else to pick up that same joy. When you're happy and excited and joking around, people around you are gonna wanna do that exact same thing. It's one thing to know this. It's one thing to know that helping other people, putting their interest above yours, putting yourself down so other people can be elevated to elevate your joy. There, you can know this, but to put it into action is really where this is gonna come in play. So how can you guys put into action keeping other people's interest above yourselves? So husbands, wives, after you've had a long day and you get home, what's your first thought? What's your interests or what's your spouse is interested in? What could you be doing for them? Brothers and sisters, right? When you're hanging out with your, with your family, are you trying to be the first person to get all the good stuff? Or are you trying to let your, your siblings have, have a chance at that as well? Or maybe you're at work and you've seen someone get promoted ahead of you. Can you be happy for them? Can you put yourself down a peg to, to be happy and have joy for that? These are tough things to do. And if you are a believer, if you are a Christ follower and you're trying to have your life imitate Jesus's life, then I've got something even else for you. In your day-to-day -day life, when you're at the grocery store, when you're driving in the car, are you thinking of people as people that God created, that people that God loves? I can tell you right now, I don't always do that. That's a hard perspective for me to keep all the time. When I'm driving and someone cuts me off, Ooh, I am not thinking, God created you and loves you, right? Not what I'm thinking. But if I can put myself back in that perspective, if I can remind myself that God did create them, God does love them, it's way easier for me not to get angry. It's almost hard for me to get angry at that point. And joy, like I said, is contagious, but it can really change full environments. So I work here at the church with the junior high and the high school part-time, and I also have a full-time job building pools. And during this time of the year, it, it's getting hectic. 
spring, summer's coming, we're building tons of pools and we start losing our margins. We stop losing that free time and everyone starts getting a little frustrated and you start seeing it in the office. But there are those days that people come in in a good mood, they're real happy and you see it just spreading. That being joyful there, it makes people joyful in the whole office. And it's cool to see that and it's cool that we could be that in this community here in Georgetown, that we could go out and make other people have joy. Paul wrote another letter, and I want to read this verse to you guys in 12, or Romans chapter 12, 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love how that says, let's outdo each other. Could you imagine if we were a group of people that put everyone else above ourselves and everything that we did, we were trying to outdo each other? When I first moved away from my house in you know, high school, going into college, I had like three other roommates and they were guys. And we had some neighbors, we didn't know very many people. And so we baked some brownies for, for one of our neighbors. Then our neighbors, they came and they baked us a cake. And then it went to a turkey, then it went to a ham, and it just kept getting crazier and crazier. We were all college students, it was all just a joke. We came really good friends with these people. But could you imagine in life, if that's just how it was, we just kept trying to outdo each other that would be a joyful place to be. You wouldn't have to be adjusting your experiences or what's happening in your life. You could just stay joyful. So guys, that's the secret. I'm gonna pray for us, but this week, I really want you guys thinking about who are the people in your lives that you could be elevating above yourselves? Who are the people that you're not thinking about that are God's um, creations, that God loves them? How you could be looking at them in a different perspective. All right. Dear Lord, thank you for this time that we get to just go through your word and learn examples and how we can live a meaningful life. Thank you for giving us Paul as an example of a guy who's just always joyful. Thank you for this group of people here that we can come in community with and share interests and be friends and just enjoy each other's company. I hope that we can go out in Georgetown and really make a difference in having a perspective of just outdoing each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All righty. Go out today. Think about how you can put other people's interests above your own. All right. Thank you, guys.